Welcome back to Real Faith Conversations, where we try to talk about life, culture, and faith in the most genuine way possible. My name is Ryan Morris, and joining me today is Rachel Bowman once again. Hello. Hey. (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about feeling like a failure. Uh, It's a pretty deep topic again. I mean, that's kind of on par with the show. Um, But more specifically, my time as a race car driver rising so quickly only for it to end in a blink of an eye. And this story is a story of dreams, adrenaline, betrayal, and devastation. But most importantly, and this is a, this is very important to note, it's a story of redemption. Hmm. So, and, Rachel. I'm, well, let me first say, you being a, a race car driver was something I did not know about you until probably today, which... Well, I didn't mention it before a little bit. (laughs) You might have, but I I don't think I fully picked up on it until like today. The and and maybe like it was like, oh, you mentioned it, but just like the sheer amount of time that was put into it, I think was something that I wasn't a hundred percent there on. So tell us about it a little bit. When did you start? Yeah, I started when I was about six or seven, Mm -hmm. racing quarter midgets. For those of you who don't know what quarter midgets are, do you know what quarter midgets are? I don't, but the name's funny. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like little go-karts. There's actually a track right down the road here, Honeybrook Raceway. That's actually oh, where yeah. I started. Oh, that little awesome. track on 322? Yeah. That's where I started racing at six or seven. And uh, I did it up until about 10 years, right? Mm. So 2014. So I started in 2004, raced not only quarter midgets, but I raced many different series. So it was... Quarter midgets went into dirt racing, micro sprints. There's different levels mm. in there. And then I raced actually in the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series as well. Wow. That's that's impressive. <laughs> at such a young age, too. I mean, just doing it in general is impressive. But, you know, starting at seven is until, you know, 2004 to 2014. It's a long period of time to do one specific thing. Yeah. And at the time, I was living in Philadelphia, northeast Philly. So funny story behind that is my parents got me a a little go-kart to drive around the city there. That's awesome. And someone called the cops and said there's a little kid like riding around (laughs) causing havoc. And so we we couldn't do it anymore in the the city. Mm. So they found Honeybrook Raceway. And we only moved out to this area because of my racing. Like they didn't know about this area. That's interesting. Until I started racing. So technically... If I didn't do that, if they didn't call the cops and, you know, do all that, I would have been maybe in Philly still. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you might not and have been not here. here. Yeah. And that's something we can definitely come back to a little bit later on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, kind of going over this, I always intended, right, at that, for, even from a young age, like a lot of people say, oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an actor. Um, I want to be whatever. Mm. Well, I wanted to be a NASCAR Cup Series driver. That was my goal. I was dedicated to it. And I started at a young age. And my parents were great. They they were really supportive early on, except, you know, racing is very expensive. expensive, And um, they couldn't support me too long. So I had to get sponsors. Um, I had to race for people. And that's sort of kind of what snowballed into the big grand failure of what we're talking about today. And mm. And that is, you know, as I said, the goal was to make it to the highest level of NASCAR, and I got to the one of the lower levels of NASCAR um, until sponsorship dried up and right. all of that. 
And um, so the point of all this is it wasn't just a crazy dream. It was someone something I put my entire identity in. Right. And I think I think I want to allow the audience to get to that point where it's something I, I put my heart and sweat in and worked at. It wasn't just a hobby at that point. It wasn't a, oh, you know, after school sometimes I like going out on the track with my buddies. It was, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to put time, effort, energy, money, especially, I you know, earlier when we were going over this episode, you were mentioning the cost it takes to do oh, this yeah. kind of thing. And like your parents were able to support you for, you know, a, a decent amount of time, which is great. Um, but then when it gets to a point where you have to start sponsoring yourself or finding other people who sponsor you you know how did how what did that look like yeah and as a kid it's really overwhelming right mm. oh wow parents can't fund this anymore how am i supposed to do it? it was it i mean auto racing is probably one of the most expensive sports that anyone can ever do which i think not many people know i definitely had no idea about the the cost of things so we definitely should dive into that in a moment but continue yeah yeah i can dive in now i mean Depending on the level, I mean, quarter midges is relatively inexpensive, but to the average person, is really expensive, right? Mm. Um, you can easily drop ten grand on a new car. Um, if you're getting a used car, you can probably get one for two to five thousand, right? Right. Um, and then on top of that, you got tires. Um, I mean, kids break things, like wreck. So I wrecked a lot. <laughs> so right. there's all yeah. of that. Engines. Um, you can easily spend a thousand dollars on an engine for a quarter midget. Mm. At the time, I mean, who knows what what it is like now? I mean, yeah. it may have gotten even gone even up uh, in price, but yeah, there's a lot. And then travel too. So, you know, we traveled up and down the East Coast, you know, racing. So there's travel involved, hotels. If you have a camper, you know, gas and all of that. So it it can get it can rack up really fast. Yeah. And I've seen people get big rigs, you know, eighteen wheelers for this thing. Wow. So it's you can spend a lot of money fast. Mm-hmm. And um, it just goes up from there, right? So quarter midges is the base. Racing in itself, as you progress up the ranks, it gets more and more expensive. Mm. And the wrecks become more and more catastrophic in terms of wrecking your car up and tearing up your equipment. Yeah, right. So um, it can get really expensive. And, and in the NASCAR level, to get to the NASCAR K&N series, which is what I was stri- striving to get to um, when I was in high school, you would need $1.2 million, and that was back then. Ridiculous. Um, back when I was in high school. So my senior year of high school, I was racing in the NASCAR Wheel and All-American Series down in North Carolina for a, a team. And my task, my goal was, man, senior year, I'm going to have to raise $1.2 million. Now, looking back, there was no shot I was going to do that. Right. But because I didn't really know any better, that's I tried doing it. I had a, a really good sponsor. Um, at the time, had some good donors, some supporters that supported me, but nothing like $1.2 million for a season, right? right? And as a kid, still, you know? Yeah. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to think about. And, you know, you might look at that and be like, how is this a failure, man? You you did 10 years of racing and all of that, and you got to the NASCAR, lower levels of NASCAR, the Wheeling Series. So it was basically late models. You right. can look them up if you don't know what late models are. There's asphalt and dirt late models under the sanctioning body of NASCAR. But yeah, I mean it's it's um it's something that I never thought that I would do anything else. Mm. Like 
imagine that. I, I didn't think I would ever do anything else. And without racing, I really didn't have a plan B, right? So in high school, people, my guidance counselors were like, hey, Ryan, what are you doing? You know, any colleges or looking at anything? I was like, nope, I'm, I'm a race car driver, man. Right. And looking back, man, I was so stupid to, <laughs> to do that. So they uh, fortunately, people in my life, they helped me understand direction and all that and get on a path to at least applying or looking into schools. So I visited Penn State, Burke's campus, right, in Reading, mm -hmm. and that was the only school I applied to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, I think it's a big thing that it was like you didn't see yourself doing anything else. And at this point, like me with my, my music stuff, is I don't see myself doing anything else besides music. So if that was suddenly just taken away from me after, you know, a decade of being a part of it and actively, you know, putting resources and funds and, you know, again, with the time and the effort into it, it's like if that was just taken away, like what, what then? Because like you said, like that was my plan A. There was no plan B at that point. Yeah. So what, one of the things I remember you mentioning was a call that you made. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So in desperation and looking at potential teams to race for in NASCAR, I called Kyle Busch Motorsports and a few others, but Kyle Busch Motorsports is, you know, a premier team for trucks, NASCAR truck series and Xfinity series, um, which is, you know, a couple tiers right below the Cup Series, which is the top tier. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports, I called them up. Some random person answered. I guess they were a shop manager or something. But I was like, hi, my name is Ryan Morris. I'm a race car driver from Pennsylvania. I'm looking to um, move down south and drive for a top-tier team in NASCAR. And he just laughed on the phone mm. and said, uh, you got a rich daddy? I was like, I was kind of caught off guard there. I didn't know what to say. And I said, no, my, my daddy's not rich. <laughs> and uh, he's just like, well, you're going to have a hard time. And I was like, I didn't know what to say after that. So it was a very awkward rest of the conversation. It didn't last very long, but I kind of just wanted to end it as fast, quickly as possible. Yeah. Because here I am, so much passion and drive and you know, I was successful around here and, and other places, right, in the series that I was driving in. But um, to compete at a level like that, a lot of people don't realize it's not like a draft, like the NFL draft. Mm. You need to – it's more of a business, so you have to bring the sponsors. And if you have the sponsors, you can drive. Or if you apparently have a rich daddy, you, you can they'll, they can fund it. And I've seen people. Right. There's, there's people at the top level right now that their parents funded all that. You know, the $1.2 million for the K&N series or Arcus series. Um, and that's what it takes to compete at a competitive level in these series is the money, right? Yeah. So you need to find the way to raise the money. And uh, I was already set back on that. So I really didn't know what to do. I, I talked to Brakozowski Racing as well. Same deal, right? I mean, they were less rude about it. <laughs> but uh, same deal. You know, you need to bring sponsors. And so I was in a hole. And that's sort of what I was faced with during my senior year of high school because I was testing cars, I was racing down south, so I would actually leave high school and drive down to North Carolina to race that weekend. So wow. on a Friday Friday uh, after school, I would go right down to North Carolina and race. Mm. So it was, a, it was a lot, there was a lot going on quickly, 
looking back, um, you learn a lot during those times. Yeah, I mean, just a quick question. Like, how did it feel to be, you know, still still a kid, I guess, at that point, and still kind of just like, but knowing what you want to be doing and knowing what you want to continue to do and hearing that guy laugh at you over the phone, knowing that I'm so passionate and about this, but this guy can't even take me seriously with what I'm saying. Like, what what was the feeling from that? Yeah, and he wasn't the first one to do something like that. And, you know, other people were like, you're not going to make it, man. Just try something else. And um, because I was young and naive, I took that as fuel to the fire, right? Mm. And it kind of motivated me to try to do better. But there's a certain point where you can perform as much as you want on the racetrack and do well. It's If you don't have the sponsors, you don't have anything, right? So um, it was – initially, it was a great – feeling to have that fire of like oh wow you know what rags to riches you know like that story but um then it turns into the realization where it hits you it's like man what if i don't get this what am i gonna do and and um part of that too i'll back up you know when i was racing dirt the guy i was racing for he you know took advantage of the business relationship we had Mm -hmm. and i won't get into all that we won't have enough time and i don't think i can share a lot of those details but Let's just say he betrayed me as an individual, as a professional, as a person, as people who were doing business. And you get burned, right? You learn that early on. And I learned it there. I was the first time. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of, it kind of hits you. And so in a way, when I got burned there, it it allowed me to reflect on myself, my Mm. self-worth, you know, Um, what does this all mean if, if it means tearing apart yourself or relationships is it worth it so i I had a lot of that in there um of course you know being a kid you don't really know what to do and you don't realize you don't have a shot as much right i mean there's always a chance but you're set back in this circumstance you know yeah i mean i think to a point it is a really important and beautiful thing when you know you see a lot of doubt coming from people and you're able to take that and be like well, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try to do it anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pushing instead of just oh no yeah you're right I can't, and that can definitely be like a really important thing for a lot of people who are growing in their own careers or whatever else. But like you know for me I guess my relation to that would be music and like oh you know what if I blow up? What if I get famous? Mm. And that was definitely a hope I had for a while. And I think it was because I also didn't see a lot of other opportunities within the music business. I grew up with this notion that it was, you know, your tour managers, your producers, your artists, you know, important people, but there's people all up and down that ladder. So it was, it was a mixture of not knowing a lot of that. And then also getting to this point where I realized that I couldn't bank everything off of one thing, especially Mm. something that it's like, the, the tiniest percentage of people are able to get to that point and maintain, you know, yeah. that popularity and be able to, you know, continue giving out good content, making money, having shows. Um, and for me, I guess the the only difference is really like it wasn't something that was just taken away from me. It was just this change of mindset of like, you know, what? yeah, like I can't, I can't just hope for the best. You know, I, I have to work and have other things lined up as well, or I'm just... Yeah. not going to go anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And 
And speaking of failure, I remember when so I graduated, the whole season started, and I didn't have a ride. And that is when it really sunk in that, man, I could be done. Mm. I could be done forever. And so as a kid, or as anyone, really, when you when you face this, a lot of the reaction could be rejection, right? I want to reject racing. And part of that happened, right? I Actually, it's been seven years since I stopped racing cars in general. And I haven't been back to the race any racetrack since. Wow. I haven't sat in a race car since and a lot of times i i mean i didn't really follow racing at all right after that and because i resented the whole notion of it because of the failure and really that's that's the wrong approach in my opinion uh, now i i follow racing again and i'm comfortable in my own skin and let's kind of dive into how i got over that failure because i think yeah. the audience would benefit from this experience but I kind of wrote down some things of, you know, what happened during those times. I was trying to put myself in back in my mind, right, when I was younger in that time. And I did a lot of self-reflection. Mm. And part of it was, and this is good timing, right? I was coming back to the Catholic Church at the around the same time. So sophomore year of high school and then about a year and a half or two years later is when this whole racing deal went through. And so luckily I had started to self-reflect on who I am as a person, Catholic person, right? Yeah. As a, a man that is, is coming to be in this society. And then I also formed a community. And, and and community can come in many different ways. I mean, in previous episodes, we talked about different communities. And um, my community was a Bible study here at St. Peter's mm. where I was with, you know, guys of different ages. I was the youngest one, but... They were at different points in their lives with families, maybe older, so like 40s, 50s, 60s. And in seeing them talk and reflect about deep topics made me realize that, wow, I, I, can, I can accept myself as who I am right now. Mm. I'm good enough without racing. And that's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think that's a huge thing, especially when you do kind of connect yourself to just something or someone it just becomes like i am this and this is me you know even if it's not as as deep as that it's still like when you pull away from that what's left yeah and i think especially when things like that happen and you're and you're young and you've already spent so much time as you know in it as you've been it's like how do you how do you cope with that how do you figure out okay what's what's next for me especially when you're still growing up yeah you know, it's it's already difficult doing that. You know? yeah, and, and fortunately for me, right, the guidance counselor at Twin Valley, or high, my high school, um, she guided me into picking a college, Penn State, and I went for that. So I remember attending classes, not wanting to be there. I was like, what am I doing here? I didn't want to do this. Um, and here's where the turnaround happened for me. I learned how to channel my energy. So a lot of times I would focus a lot of my adrenaline, my energy in racing. Mm. And I pro reprogrammed myself to now channel my energy to my classes. And I remember my one of my first classes in college was an intro to economics course. And the first test I got back, I almost got 100% on that test. Mm. And at that moment when I saw that paper and that score, 
I was like, you know what, Ryan? This is where you're supposed to be at this moment. This is where you're supposed to focus your energy. I'm going to do the best I can in college. For the next four years, I got involved. I got super great with, uh, I had great uh, teachers, professors, and friendships built. And I had another community. So I had St. Peter's. I had the the college community there. Right. And that was my new focus. And I realized, and this is the biggest, um, I guess, lesson of this, right, is maybe not a lesson, but a realization is that I am more than just racing and I can do better in this world without it, right? Mm. There's more to life than just going around in circles on a racetrack. Left turns. Yes. Left turns? A lot of left turns. Lots of left turns. That's the joke with NASCAR, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and that was that was a huge kind of like come to terms with it that I can do something in college and then use that knowledge to then go some, do something else. Now, a lot of people don't know this too, is when I was younger, I didn't talk at all, right? Hmm. A lot of times I, people thought I was mute. I think I'd brought this up before. And um, I sort of opened up a little bit, right? So I was able to, you know, I never knew I would be doing a podcast in my life same <laughs> yeah th- same. this was not our first choice right yeah both, both of us but here i am i'm doing a lot of great things that i never thought i'd be doing in my life because i thought i would be racing in circles right now mm. for a living and uh, i'm so grateful for the people in my life the things i've done so far and the things i will do right mm. and um i feel like it's a more of a self-centering of this because i was doing a lot of the racing, looking back, it was really selfish, right? Doing a lot of that hmm. for myself. And now I can do something for others, which is really, really rewarding. Yeah. And I I think when we're looking at, like, failure, especially, you know, it's bound to happen. It has to happen Yeah. Uh, for learning, you know, really learning and, like, how you want to move forward and do things different or choose different or think different. Um, any of those, but that how that also then stems into this fear of failure, and it's how how that can affect choices you decide to make. So you know, losing something that you spent a lot of time putting in, putting you know resources and effort into, the next time something like that comes up, it could be really easy just to be like, no, I can't, I can't put my all into this because I'm afraid of losing it after putting all this effort in. Yeah. Or um, looking at like relationships. Oh, well, this this last one really just didn't end well. And I was hurt and I didn't understand why. And now I have a lot of, you know, trust issues or other things. It's like, I I don't think I could, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to get back into something new, you know, out of fear that I'll get hurt or that I'll hurt them because I won't be, you know, the healthiest that I should be because of this past experience. Um and I, and I think it's important to note that there are like pros and cons of having that fear of failure. What, what would you say some of those, some of those pros would be? Yeah. A lot of times you, um, sort of pull yourself up and get it together, right? When you fail, it's a learning opportunity and it's all about a mindset thing in my opinion, because a lot of people don't think that way. Right. So for someone who likes a challenge and, and all that, they can look at the failure as a learning opportunity and move forward into something else. Like like I said, I channeled my my energy, right? My new focus right. into something else, my spirituality, right? I learned more, 
going diving into Catholicism and my own spiritual faith, my own faith journey. But I also dove into college, right? And so you can use your lessons and move forward and apply them to whatever you're doing next, right? So that I think failing in that sense would be a positive because you take a lot away from it. Yeah. In my opinion, it becomes a negative when you dwell on it, like you, mm-hmm. like I did for a short time there, um, and it, you let it eat at you, right? Yeah. And then also you're afraid to try other things, yeah. right? That takes that just takes away like that that real living, you know, having those genuine experiences and being able to like step out of that comfort zone. It's like the minute you're kind of like, nope, I'm not gonna, I I don't want to risk it again. Yeah. Not risking things is, I was I was looking at your mic. We'll yeah, fi- my mic is going down here. <laughs> we'll fix it in just a moment. But yeah, I think it's like you definitely need to be able to have this balance of, you know. You know, maybe I won't put everything in to this to this next project, but I'm I'm not gonna hold back from it. I'm I'm gonna do what I need to do to get it started, and then see where we're going with it. And then as things progress, maybe start putting more. So it's just looking at it in a in a smarter way. But I definitely agree that the pros and cons are both very present. I think uh, a possible like pro for me, um, you know, bringing up music again, cause it's yeah, all I do. <laughs> that's your thing. Um, still is your thing. Yeah, definitely. But it was younger me, probably like 14, 15, um, performing and like having my own performances where it was literally just me and my guitar or me and a piano, whatever else, um, in front of an audience. And I had a couple shows that just were not good. And I knew at a certain point, this is not good. Like, this is not going well. Um, And some of it was stemming from during soundcheck, not being able to speak up and be like, hey, can I get a little more of this? Or can you turn my mic up just a little bit? It was just being shy from that. So after having these kind of like, you know, negative, not great performances where I was like, ah, you know, I was excited about doing this well. It was like, yeah, it sucked, but... You know, how am I going to how am I going to do it the next time? And since, you know, those particular experiences, every single time since I've made sure that my voice is heard and, you know, things are the way I would like them to be for my performance. And I'm not afraid to, you know, ask for help if need be, which is something I wouldn't have learned if I didn't go through these points of like, ah, and in front of a crowd, you know, not even just like in my house, but, you know, in front of an audience who's looking to see a good performance. So I think that's, that's definitely one of the ways you get those, you know, those pros out of it is just that learning and understanding what do I need to do different moving forward? Yeah. You know, and not dwelling on it. That's another big one is just, you know, taking it as it is and understanding like things happen and you know, what, what's coming next. Yeah. I, I think it's the worst when it affects your daily life. Mm. Like every I mean, you and I were talking offline one one time last week. That's like, you know, for some people, you can't even get out of bed, right? Sometimes, right. and it, it gets to that point. And I feel for those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you dwell on things so much, and it just affects your physical well-being. Maybe you don't eat, right? Yeah. It turns into depression. I wouldn't say that I was to that point. I could have been. Um, if I would, you let it. If I let it. And if I didn't have the right people in my life, right? Mm, that's a big one. That's, that's a support another, system. Yeah, a support system. And, and we said community earlier. I think a, having a community, who, whatever that is, is important. And if they are positively affecting your life, bringing you up, you know, 
um, giving you some lessons. I think that's that's great. Um, but there's also certain communities that can help bring you down even more, right? So Absolutely. I think look out for those landmines, I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, with that with that fear of failure, I think everyone to a point is going to experience that. Everyone's going to, you know, nobody wants to fail. At the end of the day, nobody yeah. wants to fail. Yeah. People want to, you know, start something, whether it's a new job, starting at a new school, it's a startup, like their own business, whatever. Like, they don't want to fail. And so it can be really easy to have a lot of fear towards that. Um but I think kind of just like the general conclusion we're coming to with it is just like it will happen regardless, but it's about how you're moving forward from it. And I can say like for some failures that I've had in the past that I've been able to kind of pinpoint what they are, I've I have dwelled on things and I have let them affected me more than they should have. And, you know, from that, it's just more learning of what I don't want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And, and, you know, this sort of racing story and, you know, music story at a young age can be applied to many different aspects of life, right? It could be with education, right? You have certain educational goals. You have, uh, you know, job and career goals. Mm. One thing that COVID-19 has exposed to a lot of people is so much pain that mm. everyone's going through and maybe their expectations aren't being met. And, uh, you know, I was just having a conversation with some folks about their career. A lot of people my age, so I'm like 24, as I keep mentioning in these episodes, um, 25 soon. <laughs> but a lot of people my age and who are graduating college or school and going out into the world and making a career, they don't seem that fulfilled, right? And a lot of it is, you know, the people they're with or the job and or maybe it's just the isolation from COVID-19 and remote working mm. and you know we wrote down some quotes here that you know that might kind of resonate like what is your racing right what is your version of that right really quick before because I, I definitely want it to be a very clear yeah clear audio I'm gonna I'm gonna fix the mic just a just a tad let's just do this right here ready I got it you got it I got it for Perfect. the audience out there, the mic was slowly <laughs> dropping down the entire time. Thank you, Rachel. He's much more clear now. All yeah. right. All right. Let's let's get back to that. Yeah. So I was talking about what is your racing? Your racing, not yours, but like the audience out there, right? And we wrote down some quotes here that some people might be struggling with. Here we go. I didn't make it on honor roll. I didn't get the job promotion. I lost my job because of COVID-19. I'm in a job I hate. I'm in the wrong major at college. My boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with me. I'm going through a divorce and I have three kids. These are things I think if you don't are if you've never personally gone through this, you know someone who has. Mm. And these are these don't just these are not just things you brush aside. Oh. You have the next test. You can make it up. Or, oh, you'll find someone else in your next marriage, you know? Right. It's not something you just brush aside. These are things that really weigh on the hearts of many. Mm -hmm. And it's worth talking about. Especially if you're surrounded by people who are just kind of like, well, you know, there's more fish in the sea. Like, he won't be the only one for you. Or, 
you know, oh, you shouldn't stress about that test. Like, there'll always be more. It's it's not that deep. Or, you know, it's you know, at least you're making money at your job. Like, yeah. It would be worse if you weren't making enough to, you know, are you at least living at like a, a livable, you have a livable wage, you know, and it's not, it's taking away from the fact that it's like, this happened and I'm f- not feeling good about it at all. Yeah. And like, I think support systems are really important with that as well, because it's them understanding that you're not just going to be like, ah, oh, well, there's next time, especially with something that's like, I'm going through a divorce and there's kids involved, my kids. Yeah. And I, I don't know what to do with that. And that's not something I can say I personally experienced, you know, at 20 years old. But it's still, you know, that thought of, you know, so-and-so broke up with me. And it's not just, oh, we are just hanging out and, you know, we said I love you. It was like, you know, I, I put time, I put effort, I put money, I put, you know, whatever I could into it and attach myself to this person and now suddenly now what yeah yeah and so many things are happening in society right now and i mean we could go on with this list of things people are struggling with and um for those out there just know that you're not alone in this and like we said we want we want people to take away you know a lesson in all of this when you know our racing, when my racing stopped, um, when you realized that you weren't going to be um, traveling the world on tour, yeah, you know, or or something, you know, in everyday life, because we have lessons here that we can take away, and we can go in and and say next time we're in this job, and I, you know, maybe I didn't get a promotion, or maybe I hate my coworker, right? Mm. That's another thing; it can weigh on you. Just remember this, you know. There's you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned through all of it. And there's always going to be that next thing to channel your energy in. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think another, you know, post failure note is just, well, first let me ask you with racing and that being something you were, that was you essentially for 10 years and that was what you wanted to do and then it was all kind of like taken away abruptly and there was really nothing you could do about it especially with like funds being involved like oh yeah I forgot about that you know 1.2 million dollars I have hanging out in the back room let me go get it you know it was there wasn't really a choice on your end if you could go back with that money and you had you had that opportunity would you take it and then Elaborate on why or why not? Hmm. Well, that's a tough question. Because if I knew I had the one point two million, that's what you're asking. Yeah. Man, young Ryan probably would have taken it. Mm. But the way I am right now, right? So, eighteen year old Ryan probably would have said yeah, because that was my goal at the time, right? If I had the money, I would have done it. Who knows if I would have failed later, right? That is along the way. That is true. But. Um, me looking back, say I couldn't change anything. I couldn't rewrite history. I couldn't just give myself 1.2 million. Mm. I would probably not change anything, right? Looking back, I would probably tell myself, you know, this is the path for you, right? Right. Because I have the benefit of looking back of all the great things that I've, all the memories I've had the past couple of years and the direction. Because um, there's so many things that would have been different if I would have kept that path of racing. 
You probably wouldn't be here sitting here right now. Probably not. I'd probably, I'd probably be down south somewhere. <laughs> Getting ready for something. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I guess the lesson here is, I, I mean, me personally, I wouldn't have changed anything. I wouldn't recommend I change anything. But um, I would I would ask people to think about things they've been through and then how they grew through it. It's bad when you are in the moment and trying to think that way, yeah. right? It's you're not gonna you're not gonna see it. I wouldn't have seen it back then, but yeah. right now, it's healthy, I think, to reflect on that and say, "Wow, look at the gifts that I've had." Right? And in my personal spirituality, I think I think I was guided by the Holy Spirit in that way, right? No. While it wasn't like pulling the strings, but in the moment that I was in college and got that test back, I knew that that was, you know, something for me, right? I'm able yeah. to be my own person here and excel. And so, you know, guiding me there. And uh, so I, I can pick back on, I can look back on those moments and say, hey, you know, this this could have been different, but do I actually want it to be different now that I know what I know now? Right. That's a good question to ask. Yeah. And I think it's, I think at least for me, I know a lot of my past struggles, even the ones that were like harmful to me specifically, it was, you know, me not knowing how to handle things and and taking it out on myself in really negative ways. And I think even looking back at that now, I have moments where I'm like, wow, like I wish, I wish I never was part of that. Mm -hmm. I might've had more of a childhood to not try to be growing up I would have had you know less this or more of this and then there's this whole other part of me that it's like I definitely wouldn't have the insight I do on certain topics and situations and feelings and I wouldn't be able to help people the way I'm able to help people without already having those experiences under my belt now I'm not saying like by any means that like oh you have to experience things to know things it's you know, it's kind of subjective sometimes. But for me personally, being able to connect with other people and, you know, show that empathy and be able to be there for people and and a voice for, you know, someone who might not feel as comfortable being their own. It's like, I couldn't have done that without going through these really difficult years in my, in my childhood and in my early teen. And so I wouldn't go back and and change much either. Honestly, It, it, made us who we are our personalities are the way they are I think because of a lot of that stuff and more you know we're more strong and resilient and able to kind of like adapt to what's next I mean you know we both in the beginning like did we think we were going to be sitting here doing a podcast at any point in our life probably not but you know we're here for a reason and I think a lot of things kind of led us to this moment and it's it's a really special thing even with the pain and the hurt that might have been attached to it at one point yeah yeah, that's that's deep, right? What you just said, and mm. yeah, you 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 take certain lessons away, and you learn a lot through that, and you become a new person after it, right? Mm. You're not the same person as be, before. Whenever you go through challenging things like this, and you know you don't you don't become a completely different person because you take those you take who you were. I was Racer Ryan right? I'm still deep down racer Ryan, just, you know, new refined Ryan with two degrees now, you know, and I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have the degrees if I kept the racing path, you know? Right. And, um, I wouldn't have all the great people in front of me and, uh, all the events I've shared today without that. And so there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel when you have a deep down, um, 
defeat, right? And that's really what it was. Mm. I experienced defeat, a little bit, maybe depression a little bit, not to the extent of, you know, some other folks, but, and I, I knew what it was like to be burnt, right? And, right. you know, from a business perspective, this is before I became a business major, right? So from yeah. a business perspective, I knew nothing about it, but I knew what it was like to fail in it and try something. Right. And I can apply that to anything going forward. Yeah. And it's definitely similar with like me speaking my voice and making sure I'm getting what I need during a performance that can go over to, you know, working on a group project in college or collabing with somebody and and needing to be able to like speak for, you know, whatever I need, whatever needs to be done and not feel like, you know, this isn't, this isn't my place to do that, you know? Um, but yeah, I agree that a lot of it can kind of be brought over into other things. And like you said, we're not, you know, drastically changing our entire personality and, oh, I can't be, you know, racer Ryan anymore. It's just like, what comes next and what aspects need to be added or taken away depending on the situation. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for allowing me to open up about something that happened in the past with me, my racing past a little bit and diving into failure and, and how to overcome that. And for anyone out there who needs to hear this, if you're going through something right now, I challenge you to persevere through it, find a community, find some, a support system, and and get through this with other people. You're not alone in it. Don't try to be alone in it. And you know, try to reflect on yourself and see what am I learning right now through this experience that can help me in the future because life can be difficult at times. Definitely. No one said it's easy and these are challenging times for a reason, right? Mm. You can do what you want to do with it. You can, you know, persevere and get to the next step. So Rachel, thank you again. I will do a plug for anyone that wants to come onto the show. If you have a topic that you want to share with us or talk to Rachel or I or both, uh, we're looking at some roundtable discussions in the future. Definitely. Email media at stpeterchurch.net. That is media at stpeterchurch.net. I actually um, look at those emails. So if you email me, I'll respond and we can set up a offline meeting and you can come onto the show real faith conversations yeah please do it's a good time (laughs) see you next time